everybody, it's Jacob. Uh, welcome to RabbitCast, the show about rabbits. Today, just kind of wanted to get into some basics, some fundamental rabbit stuff. Tonight, I was walking around the building, uh, McCullough School in Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, just saw one rabbit, and the other day saw a couple sparring. I think they were either playing or sparring, not quite sure. We might look at that in some more specifics about uh, maybe their courting or their sort of territorial habits. Um, I think we can save that for another episode. But uh, tonight, it is the first week of July, so the fireflies are out. It's also skunk season, so I'm trying to be extra cautious when I'm walking home. Just making sure that I'm dragging my feet and kind of making sure that those skunks, I don't walk up and surprise any of them. I guess rabbits have something going for them. They don't spray horrible smelling fluid out of a gland in their rear. So just to get started, the uh, the rap. Ooh, holy moly! We gotta get we gotta get into it. So to get started, the inspiration for going so far back as 65 million years ago was I just sort of finished listening to a short history of nearly everything by Bill Bryson. Uh, I really recommend it if you are into sort of a deeper telling of how the world was formed and the people that are involved in the research. It is sort of a, I want to say sort of pretty Western-centric understanding of the world. A lot of European and American explorers and scientists their narratives are involved in that um, pretty heavily. And the rest of the world isn't so much represented um, once we get into sort of the more modern era of scientific investigation. So short history of nearly everything starts with the Big Bang and everything we understand about it all the way up through continental drift and the evolution of life and the sort of current state of the world geographically you know what the what the makeup of it is it just it's an interesting it's an interesting way to go about it it is very chronological I'm sort of hesitant to start this off in a pretty rather typical way but I think it'll provide some interesting understanding for what we're going to get into so it got me super interested in the ancient origins of the rabbit and I you know sort of started researching and when I walk around Bloomington and I see a rabbit, I am looking at an eastern cottontail. It's one of 15 species that lives um, and is relatively, I guess I could use the word native, to North America. Um, but the rabbit story begins about 55 million years ago. I said 65 earlier. That's when a giant asteroid fell from space, careened into the Earth, and basically what we understand to be the extinction of the dinosaurs happened at that point and uh, smaller animals that were warm-blooded they ate less because they were smaller they had fur and they burrowed those animals had everything they needed to to make it through um, on land of course aquatic mammals and fish and reptiles they were sort of able to persist and, you know, we got crocodiles and sharks and those more prehistoric animals out of that. So what we had running around about 55 million years ago was just a small mammal. It, it had a lot of similar traits to what we would consider a, a modern rabbit. Shorter legs, not as big of ears, but those came 
in time. So the first rabbit fossil was showing unique characteristics from other fossils of similar animals of that area. This is on the Asian continent. And it just showed a strong commonality and was able to sort of be identified as a different species from other smaller animals, smaller mammals of that time. Um, what happened is it most likely evolved in Asia. And then same way that it's speculated uh, humans made their way into North America across the, the Barren Land Bridge. It's more than likely that those animals sort of came across uh, rabbits as we know or as we understand them today have adapted to almost every environment um, that that the world has about as well as any other animal could. So yeah, along with migrating across land bridges, um, continental drift has happened since 55 million years ago, quite a bit actually. Um, 40 million years starts to look more like what we understand the world to be today. We do have polar ice caps for, you know, a little bit longer anyway. And uh, sort of there were different oceans that sort of formed and withdrew. Uh, it's actually before the first ice age as well. But as we know from different species of rabbits, they can, they can make it in cold environments as well. About 40 million years ago, it's the, called the Eocene Epoch. Rabbits had made their way to North America by then, and they underwent most of the development that we know about rabbits that we think of specific to rabbits that are their long feet, the way they walk, they have sort of adapted, uh, uh, rabbits and hares have uh, adopted a more arched skull um, and that allows them to sort of bound in their locomotion. Uh, that just means, you know, how they get around, how they walk. Uh, they sort of evolved these, these larger ears to help them identify threats and, and along with their prolific reproduction, they can become well-suited to many environments relatively quickly, you know, over a few million years. Um, so some of that information came from Encyclopedia Britannica. I definitely recommend checking that out. There's a lot of really relevant information and some really great images as well. And another source I found was wideopenspaces.com. It is a outdoors and hunting website. They do have a lot of uh, videos about hunting. So if you're sensitive to that stuff, I wouldn't necessarily recommend checking it out. Uh, a little, you know, kind of turns my stomach some of the headlines of the videos. Um, I am, I did grow up in a hunting family, but it doesn't make it any easier to watch people specifically, you know, shoot animals for fun, um, which is, or food, I guess. They could be eating all these rabbits. I would hope that does sort of validate it a little bit in my mind, but. Obviously, we can just go to the grocery store or be vegetarian like rabbits are. So, um, like I said, there are, I want to say, 14 or 15 different species living in North America. We've got the pygmy rabbit. They're, they're native to the uh, Great Basin states, and they like to tunnel through vegetation, um, which is kind of where maybe a Bugs Bunny sort of pulling carrots from... Uh, from the from under the ground might come from there's the snowshoe hare they've got big big feet to let them stay above the snow and uh, travel across it relatively safely and comfortably um, nice thick fur to keep them warm there's the arctic hare hares and rabbits they are related but they are different species so uh, we'll just kind of keep them on the list because they they fatten it out a little bit they produce less offspring per year I, I imagine that uh, 
that just judging by the numbers, these these uh, eastern cottontails that are in Bloomington produce two to four litters of kits, but that is varied just probably by by their habitat and and and, uh, and just their general motivation for getting it on, as they say. Uh, so there's the black-tailed jackrabbit. Jackrabbits are also still rabbits, but um, they tend to be a little more thin, a little taller, longer ears, uh, longer front legs. Um, there's the Alaskan hare. Um, again, short summer months, and these animals' environments kind of reduce the amount uh, that they're reproducing. Uh, there's the white-tailed jackrabbit. Looks an awful lot like an eastern cottontail, if you ask me. But they are larger. Their their heads are longer. They're a little more stretched out, almost the way that you know you might say a horse has a long face. These these jackrabbits have longer faces. There's the antelope jackrabbit that's native to Arizona and parts of Mexico. So inhabiting the warmer climates, um, the the brush might not be as green but they are still able to make it in these places these are larger so the antelope jackrabbits are larger they can get up to 10 pounds um, and pretty much hairless ears and that actually helps them kind of shed heat i imagine them to be sort of like dogs where they don't maybe they don't sweat out of their out of their skin so they have to kind of get rid of the heat somehow interesting story the other night i was walking around and i saw three rabbits in a group and one of them, it looked like it had sunken into a hole, but then I looked a little bit closer and it had stretched its body all the way on the ground and its legs were out behind it. And it kind of reminded me of, uh, of my dog that I had growing up, Moxie, how in the, in the summer months she would lay pretty much totally stomach down in the cool grass. And I think that that was helping her keep cool. And I think that this rabbit was probably doing something similar. It looked really odd. I've noticed I... I'm really used to seeing them sort of in their crouch state, legs under them, and sort of uh, alert at attention. And, um, and it was just a curious sight to see this rabbit kind of stretched out real long. It, I, I assumed it was injured just because it was such an odd, odd posture for this animal. Um, so continuing the list, we've got swamp rabbits. They are small rabbits native to swamps. Hey, who'd have thunk? Um, wetlands and other aquatic habitats. I wonder if they swim. I wonder if they're good swimmers. Um, but they rely on their fur for um, camouflage. And these wetlands, you know, they have sort of the typical predators that might come and get a get a small rabbit, like coyote, coyote. I don't know. We'll pick one eventually. Um, hawks, owls, alligators. That would be a terrifying predator, um, and of course humans. There's the desert cottontail, the brush rabbit, and then the eastern cottontail. That's the one that we're looking at mostly. They grow about three or four pounds. Um, they've got gray brown fur, and uh, like all cottontails, they have a kind of a bright white fluff on their butt, and that kind of shows itself when they run, and I think that, like a white-tailed deer, sort of can help to alert uh, the rest of the group, but they have different ways of evading predators that I think we can get into. So there's also the mountain cotton, cottontail. It hangs out in the Rocky Mountains, and so it kind of goes up into parts of Canada and down, um, and I think they probably hang out in the colder environments. 
then there's the Appalachian cottontail. Ooh, I don't know if I said that word right. Appalachian. Hmm. I'm close enough that I probably would hear it. The marsh rabbit. Uh, these guys look like weird little gerbils or something. They've got small, very small ears. They still stick up straight out of the top of the head, but they uh, they look like pikas, which are related um, as closely to rabbits as hares are. They typically they look like giant mice. If you've ever seen any sort of evolutionary uh, images or or pictures of pikas, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, whoa! I wonder if Pikachu is somehow related to a pika. Obviously not a real animal, but speculation is fun when you're talking to nobody. So, and then there's also the New England cottontail. Uh, some European species have been brought over and those are what we know as like pet rabbits. All of the, the long haired, furry, white and fluffy, or, you know, the really, I guess I'd call them pretty rabbits. Uh, those are all descended from the European rabbit. Um, the ones that I just listed are all wild and they are typically not domesticated. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, so there have been brought over, some have been released in the wild, and they do sort of hang out in New England. So that's the evolution of the rabbit. Uh, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. The different species all have adapted to their specific environments. Um, Ar Arctic uh, rabbits will typically have two different colors of fur depending on the year, um, the same way that your dog might grow a thicker coat or your cat if it's an outdoor cat it might grow a thicker coat in the winter these actually will change color uh, the the summer months will be a, a browner color to help protect itself and it's young um, something interesting i've been reading about rabbit kits as as they're born they're very very small they're pink um, typically born in a burrow and supposedly they have no smell so i think that allows them to to kind of evade detection by predators and uh, because the rabbit's milk is so rich and fat that the that the mother can feed and then leave the nest for a relatively long time and not lure predators to the nest. And so that allows them, not only does the, do they have many rabbits per kit or per litter, but they also uh, don't have to hang out too often. and um, and that just kind of helps this species continue from what I from what I understand. So um, I think we're going to skip sort of debunking uh, uh, famous cartoon rabbits. I'm going to I'm gonna check a few out first, and, and we'll get into some good stuff, some more pop culture references. I think uh, next episode we will talk about rabbit mythology and rabbits in art. I've got a great book of symbols. It's a, it's a Tashin book from a collection. I got it in... New York when I lived there it's a it's a big book of symbols and they go through ancient uses of symbols and uh, they they talk specifically about rabbits and hares in a section and and it's a really great gateway into the way that um, rabbits have been identified and and they are used to communicate specific ideas in different cultures across the world and across time so I think that'll be a great gateway we also have a uh, really incredible print catalog. Um, the library here has uh, one of the largest print making and print uh, collections in, I want to say the world, probably just the United States. At I mean, the largest, at least in the Midwest. So um, I will be checking some of those out and hopefully being able to post some 
images of that. Uh, just, just the image of the rabbit is really, really kind of interesting, and I would love to see how that has evolved over time. It's kind of exciting stuff. Um, thank you so much. We now are on iTunes. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, head over to iTunes and maybe finish the episode there. I'm going to quickly look up the Instagram account that I've also got loaded up and specific to this account. I have been posting different images that I've been taking. So it is RabbitCast on Instagram. You'll see the fun little logo, the little peace sign, rabbit hands. Um, I'm really happy with the logo and how that turned out. So it's RabbitCast on Instagram. I've got all of two followers. So you... uh, You will be among a brave few. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys soon.